Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about the rising executive. Raphael was two months into running the largest team of his career. He wasn't certain, but he sensed the CEO was about to pit his new team against another team. If that happened, one team's business would win out over the others. No jobs would be lost, but years of work would get suddenly sidelined. If he was right, if a competition between teams was coming, Raphael wanted his team to win. He said, but it's hard to get everyone pulling together when a lot of them don't even know me. I mean, maybe they know my name, but I was in a whole other part of the business. What have you done so far? I asked. With the team, I'm falling back on my three tried-and-true tools. I think they're working. We'll see. What are they? I asked. The first one I learned a long time ago. An old boss of mine used to say, people don't know their jobs. He meant if people weren't clear on their roles and responsibilities, it's my job as team leader to clarify it. So I'm talking with people about their jobs. I said, you're clarifying their roles and responsibilities. Oh, no, no, I don't know their jobs. I mean, some groups are working on projects I've never heard of before. I just ask a lot of questions. What are you finding out? Most people are pretty clear about their roles and responsibilities. What they don't always know is how their work connects to the company as a whole. But I'm happy to talk about that. That's easy for me. Sounds great, I said. He said, the hardest part of these conversations for me? Listening. You know I've always got an opinion about things. But if I'm going to build this team fast, I know I need to hold back, listen more, be judgmental less. I said, strength through listening. There's something very zen about that. I love it. He said, you know what I've taught myself to do during group Zoom calls? I ask a question and then I put myself on mute. It makes me listen better knowing my mic is off. And you know what else? I think it sends a message to everyone. They can see my mic is off. The message is keep talking. He's listening. That's nice, I said. Is that tool number one, talk to people about their jobs? And listen to the answer, yeah. And then I give a lot of feedback. That's my second tool, lots of feedback. I'm so grateful I learned how to give good feedback. What a difference it makes. I asked, when it comes to feedback, what are you particularly good at? He thought for a second then said, I'm good at stating my intention, telling someone, here's why I'm telling you this, these are the goals I have in mind for you. I, I think I help make it a positive experience. I asked, and where are you still growing your feedback skills? He said, oh, using fewer words. I still put a lot of padding around my feedback. I'm getting better at being more direct, but I've got a long way to go. These are great, Raphael. So what's number three? Be a good resource. I mean, listen, I haven't been in the position that long, but it's pretty clear to me. There are things I have access to now that I didn't have before. I want my team to have everything they need. If I can get it for them, I will. So your three tools are clarifying roles and responsibilities, give lots of feedback, be a resource. Right. It sounds like you are doing really well in your new role, I said. Eh, for the most part, he said. But there's part of me I can get pretty overwhelmed. You know, I used to love 
reviewing my direct reports work. I would write lots of notes. I'd give lots of ideas. And they loved it. And so did I. Well, I can't do anything like that anymore. I just don't have the time. He went on without pause. I used to think I got a lot of emails. (laughs) I had no idea. And there's a lot more people I should be talking to. I just can't get everything done. I, I don't feel I'm doing so well in those departments. So what happens, I asked. Most nights I'm back at the computer after dinner. Oh, how's Neil with that, I asked. Neil was his husband. Oh, he's still excited that the promotion happened at all. I think he'd be happy no matter what, at least for now. And what about you, Raphael? Are you happy about the promotion? Mostly. I mean, it's not easy, but yeah, mostly. And I said, a little overwhelmed sometimes. Both, yeah. Oh, and then my imposter syndrome shows up sometimes too, he said. Really, what's that like these days? Oh, same old, same old. All my demons come out. They tell me all the ways I'm over my head and making a complete fool of myself. But I am practicing, talking back to them. I tell them, go back where you came from. This is a marathon. We're barely out of the gate. I'll call you if I need you. But not now. Goodbye. Raphael and I had been talking about confidence since our very first conversation. I'd heard many variations of his self-talk. He was getting quite good at it. He asked, Besides my three tools, are there other things I could do to get folks in shape? Maybe, yeah. I like your tools. They're very job-focused. That's good. I'm wondering if you might want to add in some tools that are people-focused. Like what, he asked. Communication. Communicate about yourself. Help them get to know you. Tell them how you operate. Tell them how you like to get your information, how you like to see data. Tell them how to succeed with you. He said, you know what? We're doing a Myers-Briggs exercise next month. Someone from the training group is going to come work with us. So the team's going to know my preferences soon enough. Oh, that's great, I said. Who pulled the trigger on Myers-Briggs? Was it something you were told to do? Oh, no, I asked for it, he said. I've been on other teams that have done it, and it's helpful for exactly the purpose you said. We get more aware of our preferences so we can be more effective together. Then he asked, So aside from communicating about myself, are there other people tools I could try? I said, This may be a variation on the same theme. Be transparent with your leadership. You will know things they don't. Share what you know. Tell people what it looks like from your altitude. Tell them where you are in your decision-making. Tell them what you're thinking. He nodded as he imagined doing that. One thing I'm discovering in this role is people want to hear from me. They want to know what I think. I mean, that can be hard for me sometimes, but I understand it. Hard how, I asked. I'd prefer not to be the center of attention, but this job demands it sometimes. When I feel my fears welling up, making me want to hide, I've gotten pretty good at kicking myself in the butt. I said, like talking to your demons. Well, different, but yeah, you could say that. I asked, so if you think about my people-focused tools, communicating about yourself, being transparent with your leadership, what might stop you from doing that? He considered my question, then said, if I think my ideas aren't perfect yet, that might stop me. I'd want more time to work them out, make them presentable. You know, it would be like showing a dirty room. Oh, God, I laughed. You and I must have shared a mother. Then you understand, he said. Who wants to show something before it's ready, right? I said, you know what I do in situations where I'm speaking off the cuff? Prefacing. 
I tell people what I'm about to say. I'll say something like, let me tell you how I'm thinking about this right now. It might change later, but as of this moment, what I'm thinking is, and then you just tell them. You don't spin it. Don't put padding around it. You're just reporting the progress of your thinking. He considered this. He said almost to himself, I'm actually pretty good at knowing my thoughts. I'm just not used to narrating them. He went on, still reflective. Prefacing might help me change my negative reflex. I've been noticing that often my first comment is negative. Even when I'm feeling pretty positive about something, I'll start with something like, well, the problem with that is, or what we'll have to watch out for is, it just starts things off all wrong. I'm working hard to make the first thing I say be positive. Prefacing might help with that. I agreed, delighted, having never connected those two ideas before. He said, am I right? If I narrate my thinking, I could also add in why. Why is this important? Why am I thinking about these things? Oh, yes, Raphael. Telling people why is always a good idea. Like, why are all these tools so important? Because they'll make the team come out on top. And, I thought because it gets them flying towards the look and sound of leadership. Oh my goodness. This is one of those episodes where I worry that I firehosed you. There were a lot of ideas, a lot of tools, a lot of scripts. I hope you weren't overwhelmed. So let me just begin by unpacking one idea. This episode is called The Rising Executive. This episode is about changes that happen when you step from one level of an organization to another. When you get a promotion, when you are the rising executive, all the things that you've heard so far, those are all tools available to you. Here are some additional ideas that you could consider. First, you are stepping onto a different landscape. Not everything's going to be different. You know, you're still in the same country, but it is a new district. The climate is different. It is hotter. There is pressure. Do you remember the section where Raphael listed all the things that were weighing him down? Then the flood of emails was just the beginning, right? He was working at night after dinner, and that was new for him. Being in this new territory is just more work. That's true. Plain and simple, it is more work. I talk with a lot of leaders who flat out say, I would never want my boss's job. I don't want to work that hard. Those people look up to the next level, they see how hard it is, and they say, not for me, thank you very much. And I say, good for you. I'm glad you know what your tolerance is, because it's true, there is more pressure up there. It can be a lot of pressure externally and internally too, right? Raphael talked about his demons. He talked about needing to be the center of attention, even though it is not his preference, and that he just had to get on with it. That is true. One of the burdens of leadership is that you become highly visible. When you screw up, and it's inevitable, you're going to screw up someday, right? So when you screw up, a lot more people are going to know about it. You okay with that? Do you know how to manage yourself in the face of that? A different internal challenge that Raphael talked about was not letting his perfectionism slow things down. You remember he said, well, no one likes to show a dirty room. Well, you know what? Sometimes as a leader, you need to move forward before you feel ready. You would love one more month of data, right? But that is you being managed by old rules. 
You're in a new place with new rhythms. You have to move forward even if you don't feel ready. What we're talking about here is managing your internal pressures, right? Talking back to your demons, not being ruled by perfectionism. What this is really about is about self-awareness. It's been a long time since I have blown this trumpet, but I'm going to say unequivocally, you cannot achieve the look and sound of leadership tomorrow without having more self-awareness than you have today. You have to grow yourself. And if that feels like a challenge, good, good. There's a whole bunch of episodes in the archive that might help you. Use the filters negative self-talk or perception, how you perceive yourself. There are links in the show notes. Please go help yourself. There are two more thoughts I want to share about the rising executive, and I will right after this month's gratitude. I want to begin by just saying how much I've come to love sharing my gratitude with all of you. Celebrating with you gives me real joy, so thanks. Longtime listeners know, every year in December, I draw back the curtain on the Look and Sound of Leadership team. This is the one time every year where I express my deep, deep gratitude for the people who put this together month after month after month. First, there are four editors who read my work. I (laughs) promise you they make it better every month. They are Nancy Brewer, Graham Burns, Tom Mannheim, and Nancy Shanfeld. Thank you to the four of you. Thank you so much. Then, the two pillars who keep our company going. Paul Eisen of Eisen Design and George Avellino, web architect extraordinaire. The two of them make this magic happen every month, and they are my partners in the creation of the new website that we are all making for you. To all six of you, Paul and George and the four editors, thank you. Really, you make the work sparkle. You make the work fun. I'm very grateful. I'm also grateful to the enormous number of people who completed the listener survey in November. That was amazing. As promised, I am giving an hour of coaching to two people whose names were chosen at random. Actually, in truth, George programmed the system so it would select random names. I'm going to have an hour of coaching with a listener in Houston and a listener in Hawaii. I can't wait for that. And thanks to all the folks who filled out the survey. We are going to have another one after the first of the year. Meanwhile, in this crazy world of ours, people continue to post reviews in various platforms. Thank you this month goes out to, from Canada, Shiro Fabulous, in the United States, Pyrolinus, Prof RN, Parenting Confident Kids, and CNQ86. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you write, and thank you for doing it at all. As I have said before, those reviews help this tiny little boat stay afloat in the tumultuous sea of podcasts. So I am very grateful. Finally, I just want to say a year-end thank you to you. I don't know who you are, but I know you're listening. No matter who you are, no matter where you are on the planet, thank you for choosing to spend a little of your time with me in your ears. I am so very grateful. Thank you. Okay, two last ideas about rising in your organization. One, resources. When you get to this new territory, the currency is different. The power exchange is different. One part of your job is going to be 
to remove roadblocks and barriers for your team. And what I promise you is that there are levers to be pulled that at first are going to be invisible to you. So keep your eyes out. Keep your ears open. Don't be shy about asking for help. And in particular, do not be shy about advocating and bargaining for your team. That's actually one of your jobs. Go for it. And finally, develop your team. Look, I'm all about executive development. I'm also about team development. I want to say to you, invest in your team. And partly what that means is give them your time. It also means give them tools so they can get better. So maybe you implement the Plus Delta tool. The Plus Delta tool is great. I did a whole episode about it. You can listen to it. It sharpens a team. The link is in the show notes. Grab that. Or you might develop the team by having them work on themselves as a team. Do a book club. Pick a book like The Five Dysfunctions of a Team and use it as a guide to talk about how the team works together. And if you want to lead the work, there's a field guide, a how-to book related to the five dysfunctions. More links in the show notes. But you can do that yourself. You might develop your team by doing an assessment. Raphael was going to do the Myers-Briggs type indicator. A lot of leaders do DISC. You know I love DISC. A lot of leaders use the Enneagram or instinctive drives. There are lots of assessments out there. The difference is that unlike the five dysfunctions that you probably could do by yourself, you probably cannot do an assessment by yourself. You're going to need someone from your training and development department, or you're going to need a consultant like me or like the thousands of practitioners who are out there. Here's an image about all of this. Think of your team like a car. Performance can always be improved, but it's hard to improve performance while you're flying down the highway, right? Sometimes you have to stop. Everyone has to get out, open the hood, gather around, take a look, decide what you want to work on, do it, then get back in the car. And you know what? The performance improves. So that's about team. But I want to close with the idea of the rising executive. For you, if you get that promotion that you have pursued for years and you know what, that it's harder than you thought, don't be surprised. That's okay. Be strong. It is hard, yes, but you can do hard, as my friend Linda Novak used to say. There is a lot here, I know. If you want to dig in deeper, there's a category in the archive called Leading Teams. Take a look. Another link in the show note. Here's five very eclectic episodes that you might listen to that relate to this episode, Delivering Tough Feedback, Managing Bad Behavior, The Intentional Leader, Your Team's Best Interest, Part 1 and Part 2. As 2020 draws to a close, I open my heart to each of you. I wish you honor and respect. I wish you peace and love. And I hope that 2021 holds a lot of healing for us all. Okay, that's it for me. Until next time. I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening.